with Ryan Reese. This is Live with Ryan Reese. Call now, 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Tonight, I have Pastor Rick Warren in studio. Oh, no, that's the letter I'm reading in front of me. (laughs) (laughs) That's an attention grabber. Uh, Actually, it's Pastor Chuck. (laughs) And I have Chuck. I I have the Hall of Famers. (laughs) Actually, I do have a Hall of Famer in studio. I have my good friend, Holland Davis, from Calvary Chapel, San Clemente. So if you live in South Orange County, San Clemente is right at the bottom. Yeah. And your church is there. Is right there, yeah. And you're looking at a new building right now. Yeah, we're praying about it. Yeah, we're praying. Yeah, that building looks sick. It was. It does look sick. <laughs> I can't wait. I, I'm moving uh, close to you, so um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be Let's see what the Lord does. Yeah, and actually, they're building a sick skate park down there too. They're they gonna are. Be, um, growing the the initial one. I, I don't know how many square feet the the one that they have right now, but the new one will be, I think, four to five times as big on the other side of the parking lot. Wow. So that's going to be amazing, too. Yeah. A lot of good things. But the toll road's coming through there, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's kind of, the, they've opened up a good part of it, so it's just connecting the rest of it. Is that good? Yeah. The locals, are they going to be? No, locals are not happy. Are not happy. <laughs> locals, yeah. San Clemente locals only, you know. Yeah. Well, the surf, you know. <laughs> it's already packed down there right now. I couldn't imagine when, that, when the toll road's open for the 55 to come on down. Oh, my. It's going to be amazing. Fights for days. <laughs> it's going to be wild. Well, dude, thank you for being on the, the radio tonight, man. Um, oh, actually, we got a couple new radio stations that were on as of the pastor's conference. Wow. So I might as well plug it. Tonight is going to be the opening night. For the one, and now I got to find where it's at. Let's see. As I go through my emails, and I can't even find it, so I'm going to have to plug those stations at the break. Maybe Ivan will be so kind to bring those stations in so I can read them. But there are two new stations, so we are excited to be on your guys' stations tonight. That's 50 stations now. Oh, wow. Started off with one. Now we're on 50. Praise Thank you, Lord. Jesus. <laughs> but I'm glad that I got to have you on, Holland, because um, we just got done with the, the pastor's conference this weekend. And, um, you know, uh, I've talked to you before a little bit about just how I want to see God move. And I know, Mm -hmm. you know, we've equally agreed that we want to see God move in 2017. Mm -hmm. Um, I've read all the the Calvary Chapel books. I've seen the the Venture of Faith. Um, I've talked to, obviously, my dad, Walt Reese. I've talked to Mike McIntosh, F. Johnson, Rosales, uh, you know, all the OGs from, from back then. And um, you, I know that you've been, uh, you were the past, uh, what are you, the worship leader for Chuck Smith for a while Mm -hmm. as well. And you worked in tons of other ministries where I want you to plug in a second. But we, you know, we've heard all the stories. You've got to experience the Jesus People Movement. Yeah. You know. I actually got saved in the Jesus People Movement, not in California, not through Calvary Chapel per se, but actually in in Japan at a Young Life group, you know. And, uh, And actually it was totally different back then. Because uh, they actually read the Bible in the Young Life groups, and they had worship and the whole thing. And we just went because there were girls and food there. So that was our total motivation. Totally. You know? And, uh, you know, 13 years old. But in this Young Life group, he was reading John three sixteen, And when I heard that verse, I heard an audible voice of God just say, Holland, I love you. And I just broke down. I just started weeping. I felt this presence all over me. And, um, you know, the guy, he was, you know, he saw something was going on. So he started to read louder, you know, to kind of read over me. 
And after a little bit, he realized I wasn't going to stop, so he kind of kicked me, and he said, hey, dude, can you hold it down because you're, you're, you're messing up the Bible study. And, uh, and I'm <laughs> like, dude, I think I'm getting saved right now. I don't know. <laughs> but I came back the next week, and I told him what happened. They said, well, you were born again. Nice. And so that was, that was you know, my introduction, and I realized, wow, I, I was born again. And I said, what do you do? And they said, just read your Bible and pray. And that's all I did for years. I didn't even go to church because they didn't say go to church. Mm -hmm. They said, read your Bible and pray. So I started in Genesis 1, and I started reading my Bible and, and praying. And then it wasn't for maybe a year or so later because I was a slow learner, a mm -hmm. uh, slow reader, that I didn't get into the New Testament where it says go to church, you know. And not, don't forsake the assemblies of yourself. And I met a friend that said, yeah, you're supposed to be going to church. I'm like, man, they never told me. So just a note to pastors today, you know, tell the people when you get saved, go to church. <laughs> Absolutely. Get discipled. Go yes. out and make disciples or go out and, uh, re, uh, what does it say? Go out. The Great Commission is go out and reach, uh, I can't even quote it right now. It's a Great Commission. <laughs> going to all the world. Yeah. <laughs> make disciples, <laughs> teaching them to obey. <laughs> I've actually taught that study this weekend and my brain's still fried. <laughs> and then make disciples yeah. and teach them to obey my commandments. Yeah. Very, very important. But you and I both are excited about uh, seeing, seeing God's move. And, you know, you, you got to, uh, you got to experience it back, back then. So let me hear your, your take on how it was. Cause I know there was this guy, Larry, uh, Larry, uh, what's Lonnie, Lonnie Frisbee yeah, Lonnie around Frisbee. and he's not talked about much. Yeah. Um, but he is in the history of the Calvary Chapel movement. Yeah, when I was 16, 17, I just turned 17, Lonnie Frisbee came to our church. And um, he, you know, I didn't know who he was. You know, he kind of walked in and, and everybody was excited. All the pastors were excited. I was just some kid. And at that time, I think I was leading worship for the church. And and so I came to this Sunday night meeting. And where, wait, wait, where was this? This was in Escondido, okay. actually, in Escondido, at Calvary Chapel in Escondido. And so um, I'm in this Sunday night meeting. And this guy, Lonnie Frisbee, gets up, and he, he starts out by saying, hey, there's, you know, uh, God is going to come into this room. And if, you know, God is the king of kings of the universe, and if a king was going to enter into this room, what would you do? And we're like, I don't know. And he goes, you would all kneel, <laughs> you know. So he goes, I want everybody to kneel, you know. So we all kneeled, and he just said, uh, then he prayed this kind of weird prayer. He says, um, the Holy Spirit has been kicked out of the church, and God has been offended by that. So we're going to welcome the Holy Spirit back into this church. And he says, Holy Spirit, we welcome you back into this church. No Come way. back into this church. And then we, we're like, okay. And then he, we all stood up, and then uh, he says, okay, now we're just going to wait on the Lord. And so we started waiting on the Lord. And, and, and what does that look like, waiting on the Lord? Like, well, we were just standing there. I mean, for me, I was there music eyes closed. Playing? I was standing. No, there was no music playing or nothing. Yeah. You know, we we're just kind of waiting. You know, yeah. I didn't know what to expect. So I'm just kind of sitting there waiting. And all of a sudden, you hear Lonnie going, Oh, the, the Holy Spirit's touching you over there. And then he would say, The Holy Spirit's touching you over there. And so I'm, you know, 17. I'm like, Lord, I, I'd like you to touch me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I want, I want some of that. And so, um, I'm praying, you know, kind of like, Lord, would you touch me? You know, and I'd like to be touched. And it was happening everywhere but me. And then finally, I was wearing this orange T-shirt, you know, that said Jesus on it. It was like a billboard for God. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it said, uh, he goes, you and the orange T-shirt, the Lord is touching you. 
And when he said that, I said, I said, Lord, is that it? Is all you're going to do is touch me? Because I don't want you just to touch me because I want everything. I want everything you have for me and more. I want, in fact, I want more than you have for me. I want more. I just want more. I want it all. I want everything and more. And I'm praying like this intently for like 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, I feel this tap on my shoulder, and it's Lonnie Frisbee. He says, you, come here. And he brought me up in front of all the people, and he says, you were back there, and you were praying to the Lord that you didn't want to just be touched, that you wanted everything that he had for you and more. And he just told, he told me everything I prayed. Wow. And he said, the Lord's going to give it to you. And he looked at me and he says, are you ready? I said, yeah. <laughs> you know, I sure. didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And he says, more. That's all he said. And all of a sudden, I felt like electricity just go through my body, like a thousand volts of electricity. And I was just like, whoa, what is happening? And he says, and the Lord told me that you said you didn't want just... Um, he says, you wanted everything and more. So he's going to give you more. And he says, more. And he did it again. And then it like doubled. And then he said, more. And he did it again. And it like doubled again. And by this time, I'm like completely stiff. And I feel like I'm like levitating off the ground. I feel like my feet aren't even touching the ground because I'm just, I just, all I feel is this raw power, this energy going through this body. And he looks at me and says, and you wanted more. And, and then he stepped back and he goes, more, like that. <laughs> and he started yelling. And I just went, oh, and it just intensified. And I'm sitting there and it's just intense. And he looks at me and he's got this big smile. And he goes, this has never happened to you before, has it? And I'm going, no. And, and he goes, and the Lord said, you wanted more. And he goes, more. And he did what it again. <laughs> and, I, and I thought. And, I, and it just intensified even more. And then at that point, he just started speaking over my life. And mm-hmm. I have no clue what he said, but people in my life that were there have watched what he said come true. And he mm-hmm. talked about I would start churches and all kinds of stuff. And so, um, so he's told, so all of this stuff is happening. And then at the end, he goes, and the Lord said, you wanted more. And he goes, more. Like, <laughs> and I was just like, ah. And I, and at this point, I'm like, make it stop. Because I thought I was going to die. It was so intense. I thought, I thought my heart was going to stop. I said, make it stop. Make it stop. And he says, you wanted more. More. You know? And then finally, he, he just says, okay, the peace of God come upon you right now. And it just it stopped. And um, I've heard, I've heard uh, Chuck Smith. He was talking about uh, there was one guy. Forget you probably know the the guy. Um, he was praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he was in his house and he was praying. And he, I, I guess, as God sent him the Holy Spirit, there was like this electric current that went through him, and he couldn't like he was trying trying to like turn it off. Basically, kind of the same situation. Yeah. I haven't had it, but Chuck Smith <laughs> actually talks about this in one of his studies I actually wow. recently just heard that there was this guy from one of the old school dudes that kind of went through the similar situation. Wow. How God works in through pe- God works through the Holy Spirit in different ways through people. Yeah, it's crazy. So so that was like my introduction to the Holy Spirit right there. It's like Which I Which is gnarly. It was just like <laughs> like intense and all I know is like af- everyone I prayed for after that for like about a month or two, mm-hmm. it's like if they were sick, they got healed. If mm-hmm. they were, if they needed the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit came upon them the same way He came upon me. In fact, I remember this one guy. We were in a we were in a punk rock band, 
And uh, this one guy that was my uh, was in the band with me, um, I said, hey, have you ever received the Holy Spirit? And he's like, no. He was like Baptist. And he goes like, no. I says, do you want it? And I go, yeah. And he goes, yeah. And so I prayed for him, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit came upon him, and he started to shake. And this intense, you know, this intense, like, electricity going through his body kind of a thing. And then he... Um, then I, he goes, what is this? I said, this is the Holy Spirit. He goes, what's it for? And he goes, I said, it's the power to be a witness. And he goes, I don't need it. And it stopped. No way. It just, just like, it just ended right there. And, um, you know, and that was, I mean, it was crazy. But that happened. And then, and then it just kind of faded off. But I, I've still seen the work of the Spirit throughout my ministry, worship leading, teaching, mm-hmm. It's like it's just there's there's just something there like an like an energy that happens and you know people will go well you know I'm not like I don't have a great voice I don't think I don't you know I'm I, I hack on guitar you know I'm just a uh, I just chop wood and um, you know if you turn it loud and put delay on it you're like cool <laughs> and so um, so that's all I do but then things happen out you know things just happen mm-hmm. in the room and. We've had testimonies of people getting healed um, of cancer. One pl- one time we were leading worship, someone was healed of cancer, uh, and things have happened. and And people's hearts have been healed. We've had people come to Christ just through the worship. Yeah, I've seen and, that. Um, it's just really crazy, and it's a work of the Spirit. It's nothing I'm doing. It's nope. just a work of the Spirit. But I I attribute it to that moment when the Holy Spirit came upon my life. So tell me this. So because back in the Jesus People Movement, which is before Calvary Chapel. Right. right? Calvary was birthed out of that. Out of the Jesus People Movement during that time, because that's what they were talking about at the conference this weekend. Now, there was a very powerful move of the Holy Spirit that continued through Calvary Chapel that's still continuing today. But from what I heard and what I'm seeing from back then to now is there has been a transition. Mm -hmm. It's not, there is a work of the Holy Spirit happening still. And I don't know at what capacity, but it's definitely not at 100% of what it was working at before, right. according to every story I've heard from my dad, right. <laughs> Mike and Tosh, Jeff Johnson, you know, and I've seen and read all the, the, the books. Right. So what, what, like, what, do you, what do you see from like what was happening around that time within the church was it was it organized? Was it not organized? How like what was happening back then versus now? Like what what do you think? Well, I think one like one major thing I see that mm-hmm. everyone talks about back then that's kind of missing now also mm-hmm. is that there was love. Mm-hmm. There was such a sense of love in the church. Like when you walked into a church, you felt loved. It's like it didn't matter if you were on drugs, if you were high, if you were drunk, if, I mean, people told me that they went to church drunk, actually drunk. And then, you know, through the church service, they'd have this encounter with Jesus and they'd be, you know, sober, Yeah, you know, like miraculously. And so there was this acceptance. There was a love for people right where they're at, you know, and I know many churches today, like if a homeless guy was to walk in, they would stop him at the door. They w- wouldn't let him in. If if they knew I people, you know, that ended up in our church, some folks, because they were kicked out of another Calvary Chapel because mm-hmm. their son was gay mm-hmm. or struggling or maybe they're mentally ill or maybe they're, you know, they don't fit society's norm or maybe they're struggling with, you know, 
addiction or whatever, and they show up and and you know they're stopped at the door because they're not sober. And there just was this lack of there's a lack of love today mm-hmm. that there wasn't that there was an abundance of love back then. And it wasn't like those guys were disrupting or anything like that. It's just like it's basically there was just the love of God was there and people sensed that love. And the spirit works in an atmosphere of love. Mm-hmm. There just has to be that atmosphere of unconditional love of God for the spirit to work. Yeah. Well, I mean, for the spirit to work, I mean, there could be a lack of faith. Yeah. That can quench the spirit, mm-hmm. right? In the church. Yeah. I mean, you could want the spirit to move in your church, but there's a lack of faith. There could that that could that could And where does that lack of faith come from? Fear, right? Mm-hmm. It's like fear of giving up control or fear of what's gonna happen. Fear of what if I, you know, what if the Holy Spirit like wrecks the place? You know, mm-hmm. what if the Holy Spirit doesn't do does something that I'm afraid of, you know, and that fear quenches faith. But what overcomes fear? Love. love. Yeah. Love casts out all fear. So when you have an atmosphere of love, it teaches you how to deal with even difficult people or, you know, in a loving way. And it allows the spirit to move. Um, I heard a story about someone who they were in a restaurant. And uh, they were touring with one of the Jesus bands back then. I think it was The Way or Parable or something like that. Uh, what, what year? So when you talk about this stuff, I don't know the This years. is like in the 70s. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. Like I would say like 74, 75. Okay. And, um, and so they were, they were in a diner, late night diner. And they sit down. They're getting ready to eat. And in walks this lady. And she's just got this look of, of darkness on her, like evil. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and so this guy looks at her, and she looks back at him, and she says something crazy like, you know, just because you're, ro- you know, wa- roaring around on a bike with your leather jacket on doesn't mean you can do whatever you want. And everybody's just, like, looking at him and looking at her like this is a crazy situation. And he just walks up to her and says, what's your name? And she tells her tells him her name, and he, and she, he just says, Jesus wants to set you free. Do you want to be set free? Like totally ignored all of her vibe, all the distraction, yeah, and just like just began speaking to her and held her hand face. She said, "I want to be free." Held her hands in the face, uh, her um, her face in his hands, and he said, "You know, the, the Lord told him it was a demon." It says, "In the name of Jesus, I command you to leave. Leave her alone," and it left, and she received Jesus. And um, and they said, "Can you drop me off at my house afterwards?" So they drop her off at this house. Well. Couple couple months later, they come in with another band, and they're at the same diner. And he's telling them the story, and they're like, "We got to go check on that girl. Where is she?" And so, they go up the mountain, you know, finding, trying to find this house. And they finally find this house. They walk up, knock on the door. Hey, is so and so here? And they're like, "No. Why are you asking?" Like, to- gave him a total vibe. And and he goes, "Well, you know, we met her at the diner, prayed for her, and the lady goes, "Oh, you're the one." And they're like, what do you mean? She goes, well, this is a halfway house for the mental ward, for the mental asylum. So what we do is we take the mentally ill and we bring them here in this house and we see if they're ready to transition into back into regular life. And the girl you're talking about, we had just told her that day that she was not going to go back home. She will be forever locked up in the mental ward. And so she was at the diner really upset, really angry. But she says, whatever you did, it changed her. 
she goes, she's back with her family. She had two kids. She's back in her home with her husband, and she's doing great. Jesus I, totally set her free. Dude, that's that's amazing. I've always thought about that with those mental wards. I always thought, like, man, a lot of those people have to have these these demons inside them. You know, a lot well, of Well, they're not all. A lot of them, it is a biological thing. Not there all. No, reality. not all. Yeah. But there are some. But there are some. Some that, you know, you see them kind of talking to themselves or talking to things. But through love, it was through love, and that's it was that, through love. That's what the church is. Uh, that's, yeah. I mean, but the me- second thing you said was right too. There was also faith. Yeah, like people believe, like if we pray, God's going to do something right now. And it wasn't like um, it wasn't a question of maybe. It was this is going to happen. We're going to pray, and God is going to do something. And there's many times when I've I've just knew like we're going to pray right now, and God's going to going to come through right now. I don't know how or why, but I just have this confidence. God's going to do something. Yeah, I think that maybe, you know, like I said, as we went to the conference and just seeing everyone together, you know, I I feel like I know God wants to move powerfully in these last days. We know the time's short, obviously, with the news and everything that's Mm -hmm. happening. I mean, it could be 10, 20 years. I mean, I don't know. No man knows the day or the hour. But when you look at, like, with Russia and Turkey and Syria and just everything yeah. that's happening, the chip, I mean, you start the, the Bitcoin currency, you start adding all these things up, you're like, yeah, man. like It's going to happen. It's, it's, def- it's definitely going to happen soon, yeah. right? I mean, every everything's lined up. But um, I know that God, he wants to move. And I, not only that. But I feel I, the more people I've talked to, the pastors, the pastor's wives, the pastor's kids, the the leaders, the youth leaders, everyone wants to see God move. Yeah. And there, I feel like there's this 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 vibe in the church that people want to see God move. But I personally, a hundred percent believe that that God wants to move. But the church, we the church or say the institution of the church is not allowing him to move the way he wants to move. Well, see, the, like I, the institution of the church, and if you look at revivals in the past, mm-hmm. it's never come through the church. Mm-hmm. It's always come outside the church, back into the church. You know, the Jesus movement was outside the church and then brought it to the church. You know, Lonnie Frisbee preached on the beaches of Huntington Beach, led people to Christ, and brought them to Calvary Chapel. Right. You know, and... and the place hey, that exploded. sounds like the Great Commission. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that's one of the major differences I see between the Jesus movement and some of the revivals that are being called revivals today is that the Jesus movement didn't happen in the church. It happened outside the church. And then people brought their friends to church to get discipled, you know, and uh, they came to Calvary Chapel because they got the word of God. Um, but many of the other revivals is like, come to church and get your dose of the Holy Ghost, you know? And so they go and they have these experiences with God. They have these experiences with the Holy Spirit, but they don't do anything. You know, it doesn't go anywhere. It just stays and they start now, okay, I got this word. Now I'm going to just prophesy to all my friends and give all these words to all my friends, which is great. You know, that's, that's encouraging. But, you know, when you look at Corinthians 14, it, you know, and 12, and, uh, and you see it's, it's unbelievers coming into the church and someone's prophesying what's in their heart, you know, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden their, their sins are getting exposed. And then the Bible says that they repent and they turn to Christ. There was, it wasn't a bless me club. It was 
it was literally like special ops to go out and win the lost, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think when, when we begin to criticize people that are going out to the highways and the byways, we begin to criticize those that are going to the, to the gates of hell, literally pulling Mm -hmm. people out by the flames, you know? And, um, and we begin to, uh, in a way, decommission the Great Commission, you mm-hmm. know, because that's what you're doing. You're disempowering the work of the Spirit because that's where the Spirit works. That's where he's working in power and might is on the front lines. And we live in a generation and a time where we have, you know, the Internet and, and blogs and Instagram and all these different sources that you have. I mean, I've seen it, you know— I mean, there was even that whole issue within the Calvary Chapel movement with uh, Calvary Chapel abuse. Remember uh, Bob Grenet's son mm-hmm. uh, when they had that re- reconciliation right, video? Yeah. But he, you know, went, obviously went against his family and wrote all this this poison. And how he was at the pastor's conference explaining how sorry he was. But he was had this blog of hate, which was infecting all these other people. And it was just all lies. Right. I mean, I remember when I first got saved, you know, after coming back to the Lord, I stumbled across that blog. Someone sent it to me and I was reading all this stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like crazy. And, you know, the Calvary Chapel is getting all this bad name from this full fake blog right, right. that was up for like eight years. But then you have even these other people that are, you know, whoever's just seeing different other different ministries, the way other people are doing ministry. And the whole, we're a body of the Christ. We have the same spirit, the Holy Spirit. But God's called us all to different walks. There's the... The Lutherans, there's the, you know, uh, what is it? The Penny, uh, what do you call this? The um, Pentecostals, the Christians, like you know, all the different people doing what God's called them to do. But then, if you don't, if it doesn't work with you, the way you do ministry or the church that you go to, then oh yeah, those guys over there or these guys over there, and then they come up with these blogs and start writing their opinion about the stuff, and all it does is it 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 goes against what God's doing, and it quenches the work of the Spirit. Yes. Because if you notice, even in that that wonderful reconciliation that happened, mm-hmm. the work of the Spirit, what did it produce? Love. It love. restored love. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that, you know, if we're going to see a work of God, there's got to be a restoration of love for one another as, as yep. brothers. You know, brothers can't be attacking brothers, writing things on blogs, you know, taking trying to build cases against each other publicly. It needs to be done. You know, like the Bible says, because there is no love there. No, there is just just for the record, there that is not love at all. No, and it's contrary to the spirit. Yes, it's just contrary to the spirit. And so, wherever you see the work of the spirit, you see the love of God being poured out. Mm-hmm. And the other thing you see is you see salvation being poured out. People are getting saved. They're coming to Christ. It's not like huge gatherings of Christians. It's non-Christians coming to Christ. I mean, that was one of the radical things. I remember Lonnie Frisbee would talk about, he would go up to unbelievers and uh, biker gangs, and he'd like get them to all, all hold hands, and he'd say, if I could show you God is real, would T- you believe Tell us this story, yes. Yeah, and and uh, and and uh, they'd say, yeah, we believe, and then he they'd hold, hold hands, and he'd look at them and say, okay, God, get them. <laughs> get them right now, God, and they'd, they'd all go down. <laughs> they'd all like, They'd be all down, just like full of the Holy Spirit. And then they'd stand up and they'd go, now, do you guys all want to receive Jesus? And they're like, yep. (laughs) And they all receive Jesus, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, you can't, you can't limit God to what he wants to do in these, in these times. 
Um, he wants to work. He wants he wants to reveal himself to people. He wants to save people. But I do think there has to be a work within the church. You know, like that that script or like that one quote. He has to work in us before he can work through us. He, mm-hmm. how are we going to reach the world? How are we going to have an impact on the world if the pastors and leaders can't even get along with each other? Yeah, we have to we have to repent. So he could heal us, so he could do a work through us, then he could work through us to reach people. I'm a messed up person. I need help. Yeah. I'm desperate for Jesus. I need Jesus to consume me. You know, I, I don't want to judge people. I, I'm like, God, help me to not think I'm dope or something because yeah. <laughs> I'm not dope. I'm a sinner. I Dude, I got rescued from the gates of, no, forget the gates of hell. I was in the pit of hell. Yeah. And God, by his sovereign grace, pulled me out. And now he's transforming me, and we just all have to come to the cross. If we want to follow Jesus, you know, he said, you got to deny yourself. you got to pick up your cross and follow me. We have to mortify the deeds of the flesh so that we can be empowered by the Holy Ghost, that we can be his witnesses, living out the Great Commission, going out and making disciples, and then teaching them to obey the commandments and bringing them into the church and building them up, discipling them, and then sending them out. Mm. We have to stop playing church in these days and we got to get unorganized if we have to and people always say well what, what are you saying hey we need to be led by the holy spirit and see mm-hmm. what does the holy spirit want to do in your church today in 2017 just because the church has been your church has been operating the way it has for the last 10 years doesn't mean that the holy spirit wants to work like that today we need to be open for him to work in us so he can work through us. More live with Ryan Race coming up. Is everything all right? Sure. Call now, 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, I think I speak for the entire administration when I say whoop-de-doo. Now, back to Live with Ryan Reese. Don't say what I warn you. We are back, and I have Holland Davis in studio, Calvary Chapel pastor of San Clemente. And, hey, you wrote, like, a big song, right? Or is it a couple songs? Yeah. Well, the biggest one is probably uh, Let It Rise. It's, like, multi-platinum. So. That is insane. Yeah. What are the other few. songs you wrote? Um, another big one was a Promise Keeper song for Such a Time as This. And then I wrote a song that kind of took off in Calvary Chapels called I Will Stand. And then another big uh, Maranatha song was Who is Like the Lord. Then I wrote a song that was at the played at the Brownsville Revival, like every night, called "Healing Word," uh, with some friends of mine, and that was probably one that kind of went around the world too. Dude, that's huge. Yeah, that is really sick, really sick. So, well, I want you to come play worship one night at our church. So I'm gonna invite you. Awesome. All right, Passion Week's coming up. Yeah, this week. Oh, I forgot to say, tell people Passion Week's coming up. If you're in the area. Uh, Calvary Chapel, Golden Springs, we're going to be doing it starting Monday all the way till Sunday. We have all kinds of speakers making it happen at my dad's church, and it's going to be on and cracking. And I'm finally, it's my show, so I'm going to plug myself. <laughs> on Wednesday night, I'm going to be speaking during Passion Week, um, and it's going to be happening at 7 o'clock, Calvary Chapel Diamond Bar. We're going to be there hanging out, but come all week. I'm going to be there all week getting filled up, so... Looking forward to seeing you guys. Before the break, we were just talking about the Holy Ghost and just Him working in these days. 
And, you know, uh, you know, at break, we, you and I were both talking about, you know, being an individual um, at this time to reach, you know, to reach this generation. Right. Let's talk a little bit about that. Well, you know, the thing that was unique about the Jesus movement is that, you know, God seemed to use people just the way they were. Like, he didn't try to change them or, you know, like— Lonnie Frisbee was a crazy guy. He did crazy stuff, but he was crazy. I mean, he was a wild man. You know, it's kind of like I watched you when you preached at uh, the pastor's conference. It reminded me a little bit of Lonnie Frisbee because you just, you just like, you just did it. You just got up and you like challenged the whole room. It was awesome. You know, but that was like what, you know, that was like Lonnie would do. He was just himself. And then, so you have Lonnie Frisbee. And then on the other end, you've got Chuck Smith, who was like the total straight man, you know, didn't. Never, you know, just never was changed by not by how big the church got or how small. Just he was the same person all the way along. He taught the same. He was just the same guy. And um, and God used him powerfully. God used Lonnie powerfully. Just God just used people right the way they were. They didn't have to, you know, be weird or blow on people or, yeah. you know, try to hype people up. They didn't have to, you know— you know, shake or like I've seen some people do some crazy stuff, you know, try to push people over or blow or like wave their <laughs> arms. They didn't have to do all that. You just simply just, you know, it's just walked up to people and just prayed for them. You know, mm-hmm. I was at the pastor's conference and there was a guy that I saw he went up uh, to receive the spirit and he came back and the Lord spoke to me and says he didn't get what he asked for. I said, go up and pray for him. And so I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. And so I went up finally, and I sat next to him, and I said, uh, you went up to to receive the baptism of the Spirit. And he goes, yeah. And he goes, but you didn't get it. And he goes, no. I said, the Lord wants to give it to you. So I just very quietly just sat next to him and just started to pray. And the power of God began to just fall on him. And uh, but there was a certain point where he began to be, you know, kind of resistant. And I said, you know, you're resisting. You just need to surrender, whatever it is, surrender it to the Lord. And he was struggling, and finally he surrendered. And he just like it's just like he broke, and he just started weeping, and he just doubled over, and God just filled him, you know. And talked to him afterwards, and turned out God was doing an internal work in his heart. And uh, and as soon as he surrendered, you know, it's like the Lord just completely filled him, you know. And he received the baptism of the Spirit, you know. But it wasn't, I didn't, like, stand up and say, now, you know, repeat after me or say baby or, you know, I didn't tap him on the head or anything. It was a very gentle work of the Spirit, very relational. It's just, just, I was just loving him, you know, and and that's how the Spirit works. Yeah, that's where he is. He is working for sure. And it's not this whole, like, I think that, you know, from what I've seen, because I, I I travel around and I like to see different speakers and you know I hear about like different guys that are like oh you got to hear this this pastor you got to hear this guy that these guys are killing it so I go and and I you know um, want to see and hear them speak and you know there's a lot of stuff that that can get like more like on the hype you know yeah. everyone's kind of kind of getting hyped up but the the Holy Spirit just moves very gentle you yeah. know I've, I've I've you know because I love love listening to Chuck Smith and how he was just saying how you know um, if you're just mellow and just still and you could you, it's like you're almost more in tune to the holy spirit because you could f- you could sense the holy spirit you don't have to get all hyped up and breathe up and down right. and jump around and be like okay holy spirit come the holy spirit will just come naturally yeah it's just the position of the heart saying lord i want you i want everything that you have for me reveal yourself to me baptize me show me what you want me to do in my life and and that's what i love 
That's what I love so much about the Calvary Chapel movement, honestly, mm -hmm. is that it's just the teaching of the Word of God, being open to the Spirit, and just um, allowing Him to work, like like Papa Chuck would say, supernaturally in the natural. Yeah. It's, it doesn't get all, like, weird and, you know. No, because if the Spirit wants to work, He's going to work. Yeah. You yeah. know, the Spirit wants to work. And I don't have to, like, create an environment for the Spirit to work. Mm -hmm. I just have to let Him work. I just have to you know, give him space to work and he'll work. And, um, and that is sometimes, you know, as a pastor, it's a challenge to like, okay, I need to sometimes cut my message a little short. I need to sometimes, you know, um, in the midst of my message, be open. If God starts, you know, speaking to me about something specific to address it, you know, through, through the speaking, I, I and, and, and God has done that, you know, there've been times when I'll, I'll preach a message and then afterwards someone come up to me and said, you know, were you preaching to me? You know, were, were you saying yeah. that to me? And I'm like, no, I was just being led of the spirit. And he goes, cause you just totally detailed in detailed, explained my situation in your little illustration, you know, like I'm giving an illustration and I'm basically telling what's going on in someone's life. It's like, how do I know that? I don't know that, you know, that's a work of the spirit. What would you say for people that are listening that they're like, I want everything that God has for me. How do I get in tune to the Holy Spirit? How do I go deeper with God? Like, I mean, I guess the best way you can explain it is like, I want everything that God has for me. I, I'm a person that just, I go to church mm -hmm. and I, like, what, what would be... It's like the question that I asked myself that I don't want to answer. I want you to answer yeah. this. But I want everything that God has for me. What would you tell that person that's listening on the radio that wants to go deep with God and have him work gnarly? Maybe someone that wants God to literally consume every part of his life. Mm -hmm. What would you tell that person? Well, it begins, you know, there are the what I call the ordinary means of defeating evil in our lives. It's just the ordinary things that we do that don't seem all that powerful that are really are that powerful. You know, one of the things I used to do is I would spend literally hours a day, and I still do actually, but when I first got saved, I would I would spend hours a day in the Word of God getting to know Jesus. You know, because how could I, you know, this whole relationship with, you know, this walk with God is a relational thing. It's like I'm getting to know Him, and I'm getting to know what He has for me. You know, if I didn't know that he wants me to be blessed, if I didn't know that he wants to give me the Holy Spirit, if I didn't know that he wants to use me in supernaturally natural ways, as Pastor Chuck said, you know, um, then I wouldn't expect it. I wouldn't know to ask for it. But because I know who God is through his word, it opens me up to receiving things of the Spirit. So the first thing is to spend time with Jesus in his word. The second thing is, is to fall in love with him in worship. You know, I spend lots of time just worshiping the Lord and just just spending time listening to his voice and what, you know, just just in quietness, just being still and just listening. Okay. For someone that doesn't know, know what worship is, what is worship? Worship is uh, is just saying to God how much you love him. Talking to him. Yeah, talking to him, singing to him. Mm -hmm. You can sing your your love to him. You can you speak your love, but it's just that that relationship of love where I'm giving God to, to Jesus love and I'm receiving love from him. I remember I would res I would spend three or four hours a night in my room playing my guitar, singing whatever songs I knew at that time, and just learning how to sense 
God in the room, getting a sense of the presence of God. And so when I actually started leading worship, it was not a foreign thing to me. I wasn't doing anything that I hadn't been doing in my room. I just did what I did in my room, and people would cry, and they would mm -hmm. sense God and all this sort of thing. And so I didn't realize that that was all training me to move in the Spirit, you know, just spending time in the presence of God in prayer and just in His Word. And uh, and then also spending time around around God's people, and and sharing what God had given me. You know, everything in the Bible with the with relation to the gifts of the Spirit mm -hmm. is relational. You know, it takes two people. So if I want to pray for healing, I got to have a person to pray for. So that's a relationship. If I have a pro a prophecy for someone or a word of knowledge, that's a relationship. I have to have a person that I'm going to talk to. Mm -hmm. And so it's as I'm in relationship with other people and I'm giving to them what God has given to me, then I'm learning how to respond to the Spirit. I'm learning how to give away what the Spirit has given me. I'm learning how to minister in, in the Spirit. And there's this wonderful thing that happens when you begin to give away what God has given you, He fills you up with more. Hmm. You know, and, and the more you give away, the more He gives you. And it begins to increase your capacity to receive from the Lord. So people that's like, how do I go deep with God? Just give away everything you've got. Give away whatever the Lord gives you. If he gives you a scripture, give that away to someone. If he gives you a, you know, a prayer to pray, you know, pray that over someone. Just start giving away everything God gives you. And the more you give it away, the more he gives you. That's interesting. I like the way that's said. Yeah. Very good. Very good. So, um, hmm. What else would you like to talk about here? That was good. That was kind of like a moment. Like that was kind of like the ender. No. <laughs> no, that's actually just the beginning. I know. I know. Um, <laughs> because right. you know that's the beginning. That's the beginning point. And um, and the thing that I've learned over time as I've simply given away what God has given to me, He's entrusted me with more. And He's in. He's as I've learned to feel comfortable around him, he's allowed me to know things about people. He's, you know, he's just shared stuff. I remember we were at a restaurant and in, in um, San Juan Capistrano and we're with some friends at a birthday party and my waiter, this waiter is coming around and the Lord is telling me, it's like, uh, I have something for that guy. I want to talk to, tell something to that guy. And I'm like, okay, Lord, what do you want to, what do you want to say? And the Lord said he's um, he just graduated from college with a degree in accounting, and tell him I want to use him. And so I'm like, okay. So he comes around. I says, um, I said, uh, hey, how's it going? I said, did you graduate from college? And he goes, he goes, yeah, I graduated from college. I said, what are you doing? And he goes, I'm a fireman. So I thought, okay, I missed that one. That wasn't the Lord. And uh, and so uh, I kind of let it go. And uh, the guy kept coming around. The Lord says, you didn't tell him. You got to tell him. And I'm like, Lord, he's, he's a fireman. He's not an accountant. He goes, you got to tell him. So he came back around again. I said, hey, what was your degree in? And, the, and he says, my degree was in accounting. And I'm like, whoa. I said, okay. Um, well, as I'm sitting here, <laughs> I, and the Lord's telling me that you had this degree in accounting, but then you told me you were a fire, you wanted to be a fireman. So I thought, you know, maybe it was the Lord, but then I realized you have a degree. So the Lord told me to tell you that that he wants to use you, that he wants you to surrender his life, your life to him, that he has something for you to do. 
And he looked at me and he got really mad. He goes, we'll settle this later. And he like never came back. He like avoided our table the whole night. Yeah. So he was running. He was running. Like God nailed something in him, you know. And uh, but I had no idea, you know, just that that whole thing. We were we were in our Bible study the other night, and and I we were we were praying, and I saw this picture of a refrigerator, and and the Lord says, "I'm I there's an open door with this refrigerator," and I'm like, and so I'm like, this is really this is really crazy. So I said, "There's I I don't know if this means anything to anybody, but did somebody have anything to do with the refrigerator?" Like I see something with a door and a refrigerator, and and one of the people in our church said that was me. I just met someone, and they gave me a piece of a refrigerator door, you know. And and I'm saying, and I'm like, oh my goodness! I said, well, the Lord says whatever that relationship was, there's an open door there for Him to minister through. You should be paying attention to that, you know. And so it was just kind of a weird thing, you know. But I, you know, I'm I'm just whatever the Lord wants to do. I want to be open to it. So that. In First First Corinthians twelve, it talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. for the church. How they're there to to edify the church, so except for the gift of tongues. That's mm-hmm. to edify yourself, right? You know, and then or unless there's an interpreter there just to speak over. But what what one of the questions that I had for you on my phone is, so how important do you think it is uh, for the gifts to be operating in in the church the, like today and and I guess the question is do you see them operating that's a better question do you see them operating like what like when I read the Bible in Acts or in Corinthians it talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit clearly these gifts of the Holy Spirit were helping happening during yeah. that time but yet I read it and I don't see it unless it's like immediate like working with me or like one of my close friends. Right. Well, the well, first of all, um, the word in the Greek for for gifts, it mm-hmm. doesn't say gifts. It says charismas. Mm-hmm. And you know, of course, charisma. The root word of charisma is charis, which is grace. Mm. And so, the gifts of the spirit is literally the um, it's the way that God shows His grace to people. You know, it's the grace of God that saves us. Mm-hmm. How does God show his grace in tangible ways? Well, it's through these gifting, these empowerments of the Holy Spirit. That's how God ministers grace to people. So you have someone that's not saved. They don't know Jesus, and you walk up to them, and you, and all of a sudden you pray for them, and their their child is healed. And it's like, now do you want to know Jesus? Like, yeah, I yeah, want to know course, Jesus, yeah. you know. Or, or you, you know, uh, I remember being in— um, uh, a restaurant and you know the lord just told me what this person's name was and i just kind of and what they were going through and uh and that their girlfriend had just left them and i walked up and i just said hey this has just happened in your life and they're like how did you know i said i don't know how i know but i know that that you know and uh and jesus wants you to know that he knows and he loves you and do you want to receive them? And the guy prayed to receive Jesus, you know. So there's, there's, it's the way the grace of God is shown to people. You know, is it happening today? I see it happening today, but in, in more accept. There's, you know, one of the the beautiful things about Calvary Chapel is that we don't call attention to the work of the Spirit. Yep. You know, we don't say, "Hey, I've got a word from God. Will you listen to me?" Mm-hmm. You know, or "Hey, you know, I, God wants to heal all these people." It's just. We just quietly go up and pray for people. We just minister to people. And and in the context of that, God starts doing miraculous things. I remember uh, we would vacation sometime with Chuck's sister. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
and people would get sick, and she would just walk up to them and put her arms around them and just quietly pray in their ear, and they would get healed. She just had this, God just would use her to heal people. But she never walked up and said, you know, there are five people in this room with that yeah. need, you know, this kind of healing. Because then it gets kind of, you know. It calls attention yeah. to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit doesn't want the attention. The, he wants the attention to go to Jesus. And so when you minister in that capacity and you bring the attention away from the person or away from the spectacle and you just let the the Holy Spirit do the work, then he works powerfully. And so people will say, well, I don't see Jesus working in this church. Well, I can point to people in our church where that person was healed of a genetic thing, you know, that he should have been dead and he's alive. I can point to people in our church that God is delivering from drugs, God is delivering from stuff, and that's all a work of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. You know, people coming to Christ is probably the most beautiful work of the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. and and we see that. And then and, even with the teaching. And the teaching, yeah. I mean, oftentimes God speaks through his word as yep. it's being proclaimed from the pulpit. And yep. so, uh, but I do notice that there is a quality that comes through Jesus people guys, you know, like when I listen to David Rosales or when I listen to your dad, Raul Reese, and mm -hmm. when I listen to Mike McIntosh and, and, and guys that were kind of those first generations, Jeff Johnson, when they speak, it's all, there's like a, there's like something different that gets communicated. Sometimes you don't even understand. I've been in, in meetings where like the guy speaks, I don't even know what he's talking about. And then all of a sudden he goes, and now there's a bunch of people here that you need to come to Christ right now. Just come to him. And then there's like, a thousand people that get saved. And I'm like, how did that happen? Well, it's mm -hmm. the work of the Spirit. Yeah. You know, it's just there's something going on that's that's beyond even the words that are being spoken. Dope. Dope. Yeah, you know, those 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 OG guys, it's definitely there. That's like the first generation. Yeah. And what's radical about them, what I love about them is because they came, they came out of that original movement and they saw that radical stuff. And not only did they see the radical stuff, they came I mean, Mike McIntosh thought his head was blown off right. for years walking around Hawaii. Jeff Johnson was like naked taking LSD and found and like look wait look waiting for <laughs> waiting for aliens in Hawaii. You know, my dad like wanted to murder my mom and kill my family and then shoot it out with the cops. Um, I'm trying to think. David Rosales think he was just a stoner traveling around in his bus, yeah. huh? <laughs> but still, yeah. I mean, he was probably like an LSD head as well. But all these guys got radically saved so they had this like radical urgency to preach the gospel and reach yeah. the lost at any cost right and, and they reach the lost at any cost i mean when you think about jesus dude he when I, when i say reach the lost at any cost i think about jesus like he was there with the sinners he didn't care what the religious leaders said about him he was there with matthew eating with the 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 tax collectors and when you look at those tax collectors those guys had tons of money they were ripping people off so I would compare those tax collectors probably to the Wolf of Wall Street guys <laughs> making tons of money. If they lived during this time, they'd be yeah. doing cocaine, hookers, the whole thing. What were they doing back then? Girls, you could buy girls back then, drinking, doing whatever they did. Cocaine wasn't obviously around. But here Jesus is hanging out in that house with those dirty sinners and because he loved them. He came mm -hmm. to save the world, not to judge the world. So here he is. He, he put it on the line. He didn't care what people thought about him, but he was there reaching those sinners. And that's the way we got to be. We got to be able to put ourselves in whatever situation. Obviously, use wisdom. 
be empowered by the Holy Ghost so you won't go back to your old lifestyle but and and answer that call that God's called you to do. For me, I'm called I'll be at crazy concerts. I'll be with porn stars. I'll be with strippers in not but not by themselves, but in these atmospheres at concerts and stuff because my heart is to reach them because that's where I came from. I want to reach them. And I was, I never go by myself. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Jesus says, go out in twos. I'm like, word up, you know, <laughs> going out in twos because I'm not going to get jacked by the enemy. I'm not going to have the yeah. enemy says that he roams around like a roaring lion looking to whom he can devour. I'm not going to get taken out like that. I'm going to go out with another disciple, one of my friends that will keep me accountable so we could go in and we could reach them because God loves the world so much that he said his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life. I've seen too many people die, too many people OD. I've seen people that are addicted, people that are struggling with homosexuality, people that are lost, that are on the highway to hell, like Jesus says. Mm -hmm. But Jesus says, I send you out into the world and we got to reach them. And then, you know what? In closing, I think we have a couple minutes left. If that's you, God loves you. He has a plan for you. All you need to do is you need to give your life to him. Literally, you just got to just throw up your white flag and say, Jesus, I surrender. Come into my life. There's no, there's no like certain prayer, like to invite Jesus to Christ in your life. Just dude, just say, Jesus, save me, forgive me, come into my life and ask him to send the Holy Spirit to baptize you, and then go to Calvary Chapel, to the website. There's Calvary Chapels all across the whole United, actually across the whole world. Wherever you're at, find a Calvary Chapel or find just a church that teaches the Word of God, you know, Scripture by Scripture, and get plugged in, and just the Word of God will start transforming you. He'll start changing your heart. He'll start changing your mind. He'll give you new desires uh, things that are of the Holy Spirit and those desires that are actually dragging you down, all the things that are in your life, the issues that you're not happy about, that you keep repeating these bad habits, God will start removing those one thing at a time. But it's not going to be overnight. Some stuff will be overnight. He literally de- delivered me from drugs and alcohol overnight. But then there was this work of the Holy Spirit that God had to do in my life to start transforming me and removing other things in my life. And thank God. He didn't do it overnight, everything, because I would say there's no way possible. But he mm. does it because he's he's gentle. He's the loving father. He loves you. If you're broken, he wants to heal that stuff. If if Jesus has been misrepresenting to you, he wants to show you who he truly is. God is love. And he wants to walk with you. He wants to speak with you. He wants to um, you know, if you're if you're dealing with being single. He wants to bring that person that he created to you, but it all comes down to where we have to put him for first. Jesus said the two most important commandments is to love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And he will work out the rest of the details. Thank you, Holland, for being on here. God bless you, man. This has been Live with Ryan Reese. To connect or find out more about Ryan, click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for Live with Ryan Reese.